Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Tim Dillon Show. I find myself in Bucharest, Romania, doing a birthday party, a private gig for a crypto guy who works for a company that uh, a quick, uh, I looked at it very briefly on the internet, it seems fake. Uh, He's from Dubai. Uh, The money is real, which he sent to my agent before I left. So after 24 hours worth of flying, I'm here in Bucharest. There is one person to interview in Bucharest. This is true. There's I did not plan it, but there is one person of interest in all of Bucharest. I'm not trying to insult the people. They're great people. I feel safer here than L.A. People told me, yeah, you better have security. You don't know what you're getting into. I feel safer here than on a subway in New York. But there's one guy in Bucharest who's made some noise. As of late. Who? Who? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who you're talking about, yeah. friend. So uh, the name is Andrew Tate, and you were the president of what they call the Manosphere. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't know about I don't know about that. Um I uh yeah, I've certainly been the target of some interesting news articles as of late. And yeah, when when people say Romania or Bucharest, my name's kind of attached to it. I should go to the Romanian Board of Tourism. Yes. I should say you guys owe me money. Yeah. Like nobody talked about Romania ever until I turned. I this is the first time I've thought about Romania for more than a few minutes and with it's a cool society. Eastern Europe, we talked about it. It has benefits people don't know. You you said, I like living here because of corruption. And everybody kind of misinterpreted that, or, yeah. or they basically said, like, oh, you want to be a human trafficker, yeah. and this is where you would go. Yeah. But your, your point is, like, I can drive fast. Yeah, it's basic things. I just think it's a more honest society. It's kind of like how America was 30 or 40 years ago. Like, in America... Maybe even still today, but certainly a few years ago, if you're driving and a small town cop stops you and he knows your brother, it's kind of like, hey, bro, just go home. Right. It's kind of like that. It's more It's more of a community vibe, a community feel. There's uh, a lot of churches. I feel God close by. Simple things like that. You know, it's, it's nothing too crazy. And also, I've been all around the world. I've been everywhere. That's a helicopter? That's a helicopter. Okay. Pro- that's probably NATO. Yeah. <laughs> bro, bro, we're right next door. That, that's pro, that's definitely a NATO asset. It's getting hot over here. Yeah, that was Putin certainly. hit Ukraine. I was flying here on a plane. I don't know the route we take, but you share a border with Ukraine. And I, I was saying the last thing I need is to get rocked out of the sky right now by a fucking Russian scud, like by a missile. You know what? I, I, I'm really glad it didn't happen for two reasons. Yeah. One, because you're such a nice guy. Oh, well, thank you. And two, because I would have got blamed for that. Yes, yes. <laughs> he was flying to Bucharest and his plane crashed. Andrew Tate, king of toxic masculinity. I'm like, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. What, yeah. what kind of article is this now? <laughs> they would have. They come at me with everything, bro. Yeah. Any, anything that's ever bad happened on the planet, world hunger is my fault. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. When, when, when people say to you, say things like he's advocated violence against women. I am, you know what's amazing to me when they say things like that? Not a single woman's come forward saying I was violent to them. Right. I have no criminal record. There are the, the number of famous rappers who have genuinely done time for that exact thing. Yeah. And somehow I'm the face of it with no woman have come forward. I don't have a criminal record. I've never been convicted of it. No woman saying I've done it. People have just come along and said, he's somehow evil and attempted to attack me and cancel me with this fake virtue. And that's what happens now in the world. None of this virtue is genuine. It's weaponized virtue. Yeah. They, they don't actually give a shit about the issue. They just want a reason to dislike you, so they weaponize virtue, right? When you said women are the property of men, you and I even defended you. I was on a podcast. I said, listen, you don't have to agree with it, 
but it was in some type of religious context. Completely. I was if and this is the amazing thing that's happened with social media and the whole kind of format has changed. When you made a video five, six years ago, even two, three years ago, you could do a six minute video and that was considered a short video. But nowadays, anything longer than 30 seconds is long format. Like every, right. everything is YouTube shorts, Instagram stories, TikToks. So if you make a long format video making very nuanced points, talking about delicate truths, they're going to take a couple seconds yeah. and they're going to weaponize it against you when the media machine decides to lie. And yeah, I talked about a man marrying a woman and the woman's father walking her down the aisle and giving her away and her taking the other man's last name and her becoming a member of that man's family. And that man has a duty to protect and provide for her. And they've come along saying, he thinks that he owns women and da-da-da. And like I said, it's not genuine virtue. It's weaponized virtue because all of these people. You know, I'll tell you something. Everyone who's come out who are genuinely against me. I have an organization called The War Room, and they're the people I work with. That's how I make most of my money. And I said, find a single charitable act for women that any of my haters or detractors have ever contributed to. Do any of them even donate to women's charities? Are any of them actually genuinely good people? Or are they hateful people looking for an excuse to hate me? And guess what? Why do you think you got so big? What What were you talking about that like, connected? Because you talk to young men. Yeah. So everybody, I think the worry was like, well, he's talking to young men. These men are then going to not respect women yeah. because of the things that were being said. That seems to be... And, and you know what? As a professional, which I am, because I'm not emotional. I'm not emotional about the situation. I'm not emotional about being canceled. I'm not like, I can't believe they did that to me. I, as a professional, I can understand to a degree people who don't completely digest my content long format and understand it and only see it in, in short format. And also young minds can be impressionable and they lack life experience. And also with great power comes great responsibility. Like if, if I make a video, most of these videos I'm being attacked for were made long ago. And when I made them, I got 500 views. So if 1% of people misunderstand you, then it doesn't matter, right? But when you become right. the most Googled man on the planet, then 1% of people misunderstanding you is a big problem. So I have to accept all that. I accept it all. I'm certainly not a villain. I don't think I'm a, a negative force for the world. And it's a combination of things. It's, yeah, things I've said a long time ago, plus the short format video. But I think the main reason that people canceled me was because of the massive influence I had. And I, the reason I think I had that massive influence is I think I'm a natural reaction to this woke culture. I think there's a whole bunch of young men in the world today who are trying to be force fed garbage on algorithms that they don't identify with. They right. don't, they don't identify with it. And they see me and they go, wait, this is some guy who speaks what it speaks his mind, has some money, has a hot chick or 10, has a bunch of nice cars. He's living a fun life. I want to be like him. And I, and I don't think it's really anything that controversial. I think there's just a whole bunch of men who don't want to wear makeup and don't want to buy into this new agenda. When you talk about the matrix and you talk about this, a group of organizations and these very powerful interests that certainly don't like you. And you tell people to escape the matrix, you know? And you gave a speech once where you're like, if you're a guy, you're going to get married, you're going to get divorced, you're not going to have money, you're going to be upset. What, What is the best advice you can give to people that say, I don't want to end up like that. I don't want to end up being in a system, living under a system that doesn't really value me or care about me. And I don't think it's only men, right? I think it's anyone that looks at the way our society is structured and goes, it's not for me. It was not designed for me. Uh, As you've said, there's corruption in Romania locally. I pay off the cop for a ticket. 
in America, the corruption is for billionaires. Yeah. So you have to get involved with it. Yeah. So how, how do people break that? Well, firstly, I'll start by saying I would never kill myself. Let's begin. <laughs> I want to make that clear, bro. The day that the news articles come yeah. out, it, it, I did not kill myself. I have to say this on every podcast. Yeah. I'm never going to kill myself. And also to all those people watching, I'm not a genuine enemy to these people. I, I understand right. how the world works and how the power structures work, and I understand how they do what they do. What I just try and explain is that in my personal experiences, life as an average man is dire. I think it's terrible. I think as a man, you need to have that ace up your sleeve. You either need to be funny or charismatic or rich, or you have to have something you can pull out of your sleeve. Because if you're a very mediocre man, a very average man living a very average life, I think that it's nearly impossible to be happy that way. And the reason I talk about men is one, because I am a man, so I don't know the experience of women. But even if you're a relatively average woman, I think you can have a family and you can have a man who takes care of you and you can have a pretty happy life. But I think inside of men, we all have this innate desire to conquer. And we have innate desire to be respected and admired. And I think that if you're if you never have any of those things, if you're just Joe Schmo and you just stay Joe Schmo, I think you're going to be miserable. I think that's right. the truth. I think that's the reason why male suicide is so high. And when I talk about the matrix, I'm talking about the work, consume, die cycle, the cycle that they're trying to convince you to sign up to as men and women, where women can still find a degree of peace. But I don't think men will ever truly find peace in their heart and in their minds just being a slave for a corporation and paying their taxes and having sexless marriage and dying. I don't think any man would be happy with that. And one of the controversial things you say is that men should have many partners. I and- say, well, yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting because – I do kind of say that, but what I actually am trying to say, because one of the biggest things I get attacked with, people say, Tate, you describe how, you know, your relationships with women and most men can't do that, et cetera. And I say, well, I agree with you. I'm talking about my life and my aspirations. And what I'm really trying to say is that at a certain level of status as a man, you can get away with a different relationship with a woman that you could as as if you were Joe Schmo or mediocre. I try and explain that when a rap star walks into the club, all the girls vying for him don't think he's going to be loyal on any level. They just want him for his status, for his fame. And I'm trying to explain that if you work hard enough and if you get to a certain level of status and fame, then a lot of the rules don't really apply to you the same. Right. And that's and that's one thing. And people say, oh, yeah, that's fine for them, but what about me? And I say, listen, you're a dummy. That, that That's not my problem. I'm talking about the elites of the elite. Some guys do it. Right. It's not just me. Like Dan Bilzerian's a friend of mine, really good guy. Do you think he has problems with his girls complaining about loyalty? No, he's Dan Bilzerian. Like, there's a certain level you can achieve. And if if that's what you want, because not all guys do, but if it is, then you can have a different relationship with women. I think women are understanding at a certain point. How do, how do people make money? Because a lot of people have said, like, your thing's a Ponzi scheme or whatever, yeah. and you're not giving people real advice. Yeah. What, what is the – then I'm not saying to do what – you know, obviously I'm not saying give it all away. Yeah, of course. But – what what would you say to people that accuse you of that? Yeah, that was an interesting attack. And the reason that they attacked my program at the time was called Hustlers University. It's being the names changing to the real world to escape the matrix. Yeah. But the reason they attacked that is because they don't like me. All of the reviews on it saying it was negative are people who never joined the program. They just didn't like me. So they just do a review. And it's kind of interesting because I was in the middle of, yeah, I and within six months, I managed to become the most Googled man on the planet. But then you also have to understand the repercussions of that. And the repercussions are if random YouTuber num- number fucking 55 realizes if you do an uh, anti-Andrew Tate video, the algorithm rewards it. 
then random YouTuber number 56 is going to get an idea. And so is random YouTuber number 57. So what happened was all these YouTubers were just doing negative Andrew Tate videos because it was rewarded by the algorithm. None of them were based on fact in any way. So they were trying to find something to latch on to. And I'm quite a difficult person to attack because I state without arrogance because I'm a humble very humble to some I get, I That's get how humble. I'm described. I, from when I arrived here, from the guards to the 10 cars to the mansion, humble is the first word. Thank you, brother. That comes to my mind. It's like you're living, li- it's like a monk. Yeah, it's, you know, like. Like I'm, a Tibetan monk. Completely. Like I'm tall and sexy and McLaren. Completely. I'm tall and sexy and strong and rich and funny and charismatic and humble. That's just, you know, I'm it's, just it's Maybe your greatest asset is, is, is the humility. <laughs> completely. Yeah. So as a humble man, I like to state that I understand very well if, if I disliked me and I had to try and define an attack vector on me, I'm a difficult man to attack. You can't really call me dumb. You can't call me unsuccessful. You can't call me weak. You can't call me stupid. You can't call me sad. Like, I'm obviously a very big, strong, happy guy. So they're like, well, all we can do is say he's a bad person. And then they need a reason to call me a bad person. So they weaponize virtue. And then, by extension, looking for ways to attack me, I'm perhaps difficult to attack. So then they tried to attack my program. What's crazy about it all is I had a a school. It was called Hustlers University. I taught people how to make money online with 18 modern wealth creation methods. It was $49 a month. It was pennies. And we were teaching everything from cryptocurrency to drop shipping to Amazon FBA to how to make websites to SEO, basic stuff for 49 bucks. And everyone who joined was like, this is worth more than my entire college degree that I did. Right. And uh, all the detractors who were attacking it never even enrolled. And um, they were just looking for a vector to attack me through. They were trying to just find a way to destroy me and say I'm a negative person. The reason I can say and I can prove conclusively that it was not a Ponzi scheme or anything detrimental is because traditional education exists within a vacuum. You get a loan to go to that school and you can't get the loan outside of going to that school. So the money is not in, in the open market, right? We'll give you 100 grand only if you go to school. We won't give the 100 grand for any other reason. So education isn't fairly compared to other markets. I think if you were to give the average 18-year-old 100 grand and say you can choose, invest in real estate, invest in cryptocurrency, start your own business, revamp your parents' house, save the money, or get a degree, I have a feeling that there would be very few degrees. (laughs) Nobody would go, right? Nobody would go. Nobody would go. So they know that because they know that their product has got a lot less value than they pretend it does. So they make sure that the money and the education exists in a vacuum so it doesn't have any fair competition. Whereas my education, my educational platform for $49 a month was open to the fair market. You can put $49 a month into my education system or you can buy a Taco Bell. You can do whatever right, you think is right. worth more to you. Right. And we had 175,000 students renewing. People, 175,000 people in the world were getting more value per month than they invested. That proves in and of itself is not a scam or I wouldn't have a single repeat client. So right. The product was fantastic. It still exists. They think they've closed me down and, and shut it down. It still exists. It's still open now. HU2.io uh, or therealworld.ai. Depends which website you want to go to because it's rebranding at the moment. But yeah, I basically, I teach young people and say, look, the way you're taught to make money in the educational system is outdated. And the advice you get from your parents a lot of the time is outdated because what worked for them isn't going to work for you. I completely understand why your parents are saying save money and buy a home. Well, yeah, you saved money. You got 10% on your, on your savings and the home cost a year's wages. Now we get, now now it's inflation and it's bullshit, right? There's no buying a home. There's no buying a home for a lot of people, especially when you're young, when our parents had the benefit of like buying houses for less money. Yeah. 
it's very difficult. Yeah, completely. And and you got yeah. you got a boomer sitting there going, I bought a house for 50 grand, now it's worth half a million. You need to buy a home. Yeah, okay. But they're all worth half a million now. So right. the whole market's changed. So a lot of the advice on how to make money is outdated. And I'm teaching modern wealth creation methods where you can make money online in a way that any young guy with no money, but a lot of time, I'll admit it takes a lot of time, can make money. And we were massively, massively successful. And what happens when you're massively successful is your detractors find a reason to try and attack you. And after they banned me, they thought I had no voice, so they could lie on mass. And they lied and said that it's some kind of horrible scheme. And somehow it promoted world hunger and all this other right, crap. Right. It's it caused, all my fault. It's all my fault, bro. Yeah, it was it's caused, all my fault. Caused Russia, Ukraine. All of it. All yeah, of it. All yeah. of it. Yeah. If you ever get bit by a shark, it's because of Hustlers University. Yeah. What is the <laughs> clown world? <laughs> bro, it's a clown world. It's, uh, I, I, part, I of, it, part of your early on, you were doing the webcam stuff. Yeah. yeah. And people uh, were. I, I don't know if the right word is offended, but people were basically like, it's, they were, you know, judgmental of it, or they were like, listen, here's a guy who's talking about morality, but then he's also got this house full of women on camera. Yeah, and you know what? I, as a professional, have analyzed very, very hard. If I was my enemy, how would I hurt me? Right. I've had these conversations at length. So I understand my vulnerabilities. I understand my strengths very, very well, which is why I'm so hard to kill. But I do also understand by analyzing myself as a professional should, I do get that the story is very interesting. An American guy, and now he's in Romania, and he's a Are web- you American? Uh, I was American. I'm okay. British. Um, now he's in Romania, and he had all these girls working for him on a webcam studio, and now he's a millionaire. It is interesting. It's, it's just weird. It's weird. Yeah, so people are like, he has to be evil. Like, right. It, and, and really- it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a vibe of a super villain, kind it, of. It is, isn't it? it? You have- Thank you very much. All Thank of you. these things. <laughs> <laughs> well, you say when I'm cruising in the rolls yeah. with my cigar, no, I look like a super villain. You've kind of designed this thing that feels- like a Batman villain, and then it kind of got that response. It did. And, you know, I had a lot of people come to me and say, it's not what you say. Right. It's the fact that you're scary. I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, you're just this big kickboxing champion with a bunch of guns in Romania and all these hot women in this big house. And yeah. It's, it's just, it's villain. It's villain. Well, people also think about Eastern Europe. Like, when we I was coming here, like we were told a million times by a lot of people, like, keep, you know, watch out, get yeah. security, hire security. Yeah. They drug drinks. They yeah. kidnap people. Yeah. They not that they're kidnapping me for whatever. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I'm. You are be handsome. Bro. You're handsome, bro. The idea that I'll be trafficked <laughs> is hilarious. Like them just dropping me off in Serbia, and I walk out of a truck. They're like, "Well, this week's lot wasn't great." <laughs> but th- this bro. this idea that it's very dangerous. So the fact that you live here, oh, like if you lived in New Jersey, yeah, completely, it's less of a. But the fact that you are out in the far flung regions yeah. in Eastern Europe. I mean, this is like we think of the movie. Hostel. Oh yeah, with Eli Roth. For sure. Think of that. You are selling like some type of thing where you get to like uh, take apart a woman. Yeah, Yeah. completely. And yeah, organs and stuff like that. And that vibe. And I walked in the house and we had dinner. And there's you have you've got a few organs, nothing much. Yeah, you You have a few things that you're transferring. Somebody needs this. Somebody needs that. It's not a big thing. I've scaled back since the cancellation. (laughs) Right. I've scaled back. Right. um, Yeah, I completely understand that vibe, so I'm not going to sit here and pretend I don't understand why people think that. But anyone with a brain who's educated can understand that I travel the world endlessly, and if I was truly a criminal of some kind, I would be in jail by now. Right. And uh, I'm not doing anything wrong. I do understand the vibe, and I can't sit here and pretend that I don't kind of enjoy the vibe. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's kind of cool to be a mob boss. You know, it's kind of like it is what it is. Yeah. Um, but I'm certainly not hurting anybody. But yeah, that's why they attacked the school. And as for the webcam thing, yeah, I've talked about it at length. Yeah, I had a webcam business. I had a bunch of beautiful women on the internet who were talking to men online. This was about 10 years ago. It was all pretty new then. OnlyFans is mainstream now, right? Right. But I was one of the pioneers of the industry as such. And that's what it makes me laugh. All these feminists attack me. I said, I've made more women millionaires than, <laughs> than you'd believe. Right. I, tur- I turned 50 women into millionaires. Right. So, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a very professional setup. It was a business. Yeah. No, for sure. And, and also that people are, should be – the people that are criticizing you are often pro-sex work. Oh, yeah. Pro-sex work. Oh, yeah. Work they're pro, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're yeah. pro all that. But they're, they're anti-me for some reason. And I don't want to be arrogant enough to say jealousy, but hate never comes from above. When you get, you were talking about when you get canceled, there's kind of a bat signal. You feel it coming. Yeah. You feel when it's on that level. Yeah. Where, you know, I know Alex uh, and I know Alex got, you know, completely deplatformed. He has other issues. But when it happened to you, it was kind of like something that you you weren't completely surprised. No, I was 0% surprised because of the level of orchestration which was involved long before the cancellation. I had already decided, I thought, okay, I'm massively famous now. I'm going to create my message a little bit, perhaps be a little bit less scary. Because I do have responsibility as an adult, and I don't want to be misconstrued by my large, my massive audience, even if it's a very small percentage of it. So I understood all of this. But when the attacks started coming, they were coming so orchestrated, I knew that time was running out. Because you'd go to sleep, and the news articles would be empty. And you'd wake up and seven or eight NGOs or charities at the exact same moment have done a press release with the exact same words slightly rewritten, rewritten at the same time. Un- unconnected industry, unconnected right. entities, uh, entity in Australia, an entity in England, an entity in Germany, an entity in America, all at the same day decided to do this press release saying that for somehow I'm dangerous to whatever. And all the wording is basically exactly the same. And all these independent NGOs and charities hit you at once with this media spin. And this was happening on repeat, and I was like, somebody is behind all of these things, and they're deciding to try and paint a narrative of me. And the reason they paint a narrative of you is so that the general populace will accept your cancellation. Right. They, 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 they spin up the machine to convince the world you're bad so that when you're canceled, nobody kicks up too big a fuss. And then post-cancellation, when you have no voice and you can't defend yourself, they turn it up another notch, hoping to put the nail in the coffin that you're a bad guy forever. And then people just go, well, he's a bad guy. He deserves it. And that's that's what they're trying to do. When you're talking about the, the a lot of men are being fed stuff that they because it does a lot of this, and I've said it right. I've said it. Uh, it seems like, you know, when you have people that uh, Harry Styles or whoever it is, right? And I don't care what they do or what they wear, but it's like when you have a guy that's never worn a dress, never expressed a desire to wear a dress, but he's wearing a dress on a massively popular magazine, right? It seems. Odd. It yeah. seems like there is because there is this idea now that if if you if you don't accept every single thing yeah. that is being put out as fact, yeah. if you have a pro- if you go, hey, trans people should live the lives they want, but not at fourteen. Yeah. If they do something irreversible to their bodies, agreed. It's a complete. It could be a tragedy for them, yeah. right? Um, if you have that opinion, if you say that kids shouldn't be taught about gender theory in third grade, any one of these things makes you kind of an enemy of what they're calling progress, but it's not necessarily that you're an enemy of progress. It's that you, you're thinking 
of each issue individually and saying, okay, it's not that you hate gay people or hate trans people or you don't want people to live their lives, but you're you're saying some of these things need more discussion. Well, they're trying to convince us all to be tolerant of absolutely everything with no moral standing and no hard lines, regardless of how ridiculous they are. And my basic premise is, if somebody's trying to convince me to be tolerant of everything, is that because they want to make me be tolerant of things that are good for me or tolerant of things that are bad for me? If the things are genuinely good for me, they don't have to try and train my brain to accept everything, right? Right. When they're trying to train my brain to accept everything and to deny facts and to deny common sense and deny God and deny morality, but they're telling me I have to accept these things, isn't that because later on they want me to accept something which is genuinely detrimental to me? So that's what I believe. So when they're coming along saying you need to be tolerant, well, if you're tolerant of everything, then you believe in absolutely nothing. There has to be a hard line somewhere where you say, okay, tolerance is great, but this goes beyond tolerance into genuine detriment for either me or somebody else. Yeah, cause I, I, but it's also you've been asked things like if you had a kid that was gay, what would you do? I think the interviewer thought you would go, I'd kill him or something. Yeah. But you said, no, I would just let him live his life. Like you've said, <laughs> I think the interviewer thought you were going to say, oh, I'd kill him. Yeah. I think the interviewer thought I'd bury him in the, in the mountains of Transylvania. But you've been kind of like, I, I would say that like you're, the things I've heard you say, yeah. about a lot of these issues don't seem completely unreasonable. Oh, completely They don't not. seem like it's like somebody who's completely insane. I, you, you don't, you're not sitting there talking about the Jews. <laughs> you're not going on and on about, right? You're, yep. you're just kind of like, you have an old school mentality about certain things, which a lot of people do. And that's what's amazing to yeah. me. I, I say this all the time. People say, how did you become so famous? And I said, well, I started telling everyone that water is wet. And some reason, yeah. somehow in the clown world we now live in, that's somehow crazy. After my cancellation, the number of videos that came out supporting me, and especially by like Arabs or Muslim, like there's a beautiful Arab girl, and she came out and said, he's less extreme than my dad, my brothers, my uncle. Right. This is just family dinner table talk. Yes. And the way he talks is the way that every man talked and behaved 15 years ago. Like, right. And, and a lot of the time when I have... Uh, a problem with an issue, it's not because of me or my selfish desires. I have a genuine concern. You just nailed it. I think that asking a 13-year-old to take hormones that will change their lives forever is dangerous. It's not to me because I'm not taking them. I think right. it could affect them. I think that you should allow them no, to grow it, up and make a decision. It's crazy when people, the opposition to that has been painted as hateful. It was the absolute opposite of hateful. We have yeah. concern. Yeah. It's concern. And and this is the thing. If you're not tolerant of absolutely everything, somehow you're hateful. And I think that that is just programming of the slave mind. They want to get you to a point of tolerance where you someone can set you on fire. And you can go, well, I don't want to be firist. <laughs> so I guess I'm just going to burn to death. There, there, don't call me names. There it's is something that 100% feels incredibly like like disingenuous from oh, because yeah. none of these people really care about what they say they care about and they just want you to be unquestioning no matter what they want you to be mush they want to turn your brain into mush they want to erase i say this all the time before they want to inject slave programming into you because they want you to be a slave to some degree on every level if you i don't want to get too I don't want to be too conspiracy theorist. No, because, that's okay. Because then you tell too much truth, right? But um, yeah. yeah. But yeah, if you call a conspiracy theorist, you're really telling the truth. But um, 
if if you're if you're giving up your entire life and slaving away for something they can print from thin air, to a degree you are a slave. If they can produce unlimited amounts of said thing and you'll give up your life and time for that thing, then you are their slave because they can just make as much of it as they need to make you do whatever they want. So before they get you into a position where you accept your position as a slave, they want to erase your mind so they can install the programming. It's like formatting a disc, right? You format it before you put the new program on it. And the way you format someone's mind is you destroy all of their morality. You destroy their baseline understanding of right and wrong. You destroy everything they believe about the world. You destroy what their own eyes believe. Well, I don't see that to be true. I've never experienced that myself No, we have said it's true, you must obey. And by destroying and completely formatting your brain under the guise of tolerance where you have no hard lines, then you're completely open to accept anything. Like, I'm a zebra, you're a fucking panda. Right. Who fucking knows? Who cares? Yeah. The TV said it, so fuck it. Did you ever think you'd get this big? Like, when you started out, were you ever? did you ever think you were going to get in the crosshairs of this many people? You're going to have... A bunch of young kids in Australia not listening to the teacher because of you. <laughs> this is apparently Bro. apparently Australian children, uh, which I don't have a hugely high opinion of Australian adults, so I can only <laughs> can only imagine how they start. Yeah. But apparently, children in Australian schools are not listening to female teachers, oh. and it is because they've joined Hustlers University. Oh, apparently. Well, apparently. That's... But you know, this is the thing: when you start talking out against the power structures. You end up in this position. The point, the reason they said that kids don't listen to their teachers anymore, because the point I made was, if you're going to go to university and pay $100,000 to learn about business from a business professor who's never had a business, then you're a dummy. <laughs> That's what, right. That was the point I was making. And um, they somehow taken that saying, he says, don't listen to teachers. I was saying, no, just listen to qualified people. If I want to learn piano and the dude turned up and goes, bro, I can't I don't play piano. Read right. the book. Shut up and read the book. Yeah. I'm like, I'm paying you anymore. Like, yeah. play some piano, sir. Yeah. Like, and, and the whole educational system's kind of like that. But I'm certainly not teaching children to disobey. It's actually quite the opposite. If anyone watches my content long form, it's about discipline. It's about... Uh, motivating yourself. It's about doing the right thing. I'm not telling kids to to mass disobey their teachers. I'm you're just kind of you like Jordan Peterson, but if Jordan Peterson had a, a swagger, like more than you know what I mean, like Jordan, you're the next phase of it because Jordan Peterson came out. He's like read books, yeah, read the classics, and you're kind of out here being like. Get a hot tub. <laughs> you know what I mean? Webcams are your friend. The pool is fun. You don't need one woman. A few it can suffice. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just... It's more fun. You're the more fun Jordan Peterson. But to, Yeah, to a degree. I, I, I think my overall message, I try and tell men. If I had to say what my overall message is, I try and explain that. I believe being a man is a blessing. Right, And I believe it's a blessing because it starts so difficult. I believe that every man is born without any value at all. I think that the world's never going to think you're important unless you make yourself important. I think you get to decide what character you want to be in this movie, which is your life. You can decide if you want to be a comedian or a musician right. or a fighter. You get to decide what you want to be. And if you work hard enough, you can become it. And I feel like... That is one of the most uniquely beautiful things about being a man is the hard juxtaposition. And that's why you had to go. <laughs> yeah, and that's why I had to go because I'm saying that right there was that was the mo- yeah, yeah that was it. They're like yeah I'm saying you can be anything you want to be and you yeah. don't you don't have to follow the exact path and I think it's the hard juxtapositions of life that make things so interesting. I say all the time the funnest thing about being rich is remembering when I was broke, and the funnest thing about being important is remembering when you're not important. And the funniest thing that's what's amazing about life as a man. And I kind of feel like a woman. 
And of course, I'm not a woman, so I don't know. But there's a whole bunch of women who just grow up and they're 17 and they're beautiful and there's already billionaires trying to message them on Instagram. They just yeah. have this innate value. They've never really been valueless, so they don't appreciate their value the same way a man would. If a man makes it to the top, he can go, whoa, I remember when they wouldn't even let me in restaurants. Yeah, now look at me. That I think people people like there are women, for example, that in the city, like in New York or wherever, right? Yeah. That you would go up to, or or somebody would go up to, and they go, listen, you they they go, listen, I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer, I'm whatever, I worked my ass off. Why is it that I haven't made my way in the world as well, right? Or but they have, and this okay. is the thing. And I'm not saying they can't make their way in the world. I'm not saying they shouldn't. They have. My point is, if they decided to not make their way in the world, I would argue the point that they would still at some point find a mate, and still at some point find be a mother, and still matter to their family, and still be valued. They'd still find a man who to some degree wants to protect right. and provide for them, they'll still never be invisible. And the point is, if you're a man and you decide to never become something, you're not even going to have a partner. It's, I think the, the genetic, the genome of humanity proves this. 99% of females since the dawn of human time have reproduced. Less than 20% of men have. Is that, that true? That's true. And wow. it's, prove, it's proving the point that no matter, you can be a dummy, you can be even ugly as a chick. It doesn't matter. You're going to end up at least reproducing. Whereas a man, if you weren't a king or a conqueror or something important, a whole bunch of men just died without even having offspring. And the point I'm making is, even if a woman, if you were to decide to do nothing important with your life, your life wouldn't be fantastic. I'm not saying it would. But I don't think you'd suffer the true despair that a man would if he decided to do nothing important with his life. I think as a man, you why really you have think, to do something. Why do you think 80% of suicides are men? Because it's harder to be a man. Yeah. This is the thing. The societal expectations on men are so fantastically large. We talk about women and the societal expectations on them to be beautiful, and I'm not denying that. I'm not denying female struggles. A lot of people misunderstand me when I talk about male struggles. They think I'm saying female struggles don't exist. I'm not. I'm just a man, so I talk about the thing I know. And the societal expectations on men are ridiculous. They expect you to be rich. They expect you to be tall. Yeah. They expect you to be strong and smart and funny and interesting and charismatic. They expect you to be spontaneous. Like, they expect yeah. all these things from you. And I know this for a fact. I'll tell you something, bro. Like, if if I go to... Uh, Women have prop. Gisley Maxwell is in jail. Yeah. <laughs> Bro, you're trying to get me suicide. Women Who's have Maxwell? Women. Who's Maxwell? I don't know what you're I mean, talking that's about, That's a woman bro. with a problem. I don't know. <laughs> but, but I know. I know what you mean. It, it, listen, your basic point, which has angered people, because I think this is kind of maybe the crux of it, is that men maybe have to do more to distinguish themselves. Completely. And, that, and Right, okay. And, and the expectations on men are so high. Like, if I go on a date with a beautiful woman, she may have absolutely zero money in the bank. But she expects me to have money. And when I say expects, like if you go to a date with a real, truly beautiful woman, she's never been around a man who doesn't have money. She, why would she, right? right? Every man she's ever dated has money. Every place she ever goes to high-level places, men have money. So if I sit with a truly 10 out of 10 from Ukraine, some Barbie doll, 19-year-old, absolutely gorgeous, never had a job in her life, zero dollars in the bank, uh, she'll just say, yeah, well, men have money. She doesn't even consider that we have to earn it. She doesn't ask how we make it. She's just like, well, men have money. Men just have money. Jesus gives men money. And if you're a man without money, she's like, why don't you have money? You dumb? Like, her expectations is that if you're not a millionaire, you're a dumbass. That's her base expectation because that's her reality. Why is there so much, why are so many men now not getting laid or not talking to women? Why have men, why is there such a problem? I'll tell you why there's a problem. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. There's a massive problem. And the problem is because the whole Sexual marketplace has been globalized now to the point now, especially with the Instagram and, and with the internet, even a very 
a normal woman, a normal chick, she can still get access to or peek on the lives of very high-level men. And, you know, before, if you were some girl in Nebraska and you were a little bit pretty, you'd meet the guy in Nebraska who's a, who had a nice truck, and that would be the end of it. But this girl in Nebraska is a little bit pretty. He's being offered to fly out to Dubai, offered to fly out to Tokyo and go on these yachts. Dan Bilzerian said, hey, you want to come see me? And she's looking at the dude in Nebraska going, what, why ain't got money? You're a brokey. And it's harder now. It's it's more and more and more competitive. Is, that, is it that just women want money? Is there any? It's other? not that they just want yeah. money. It's that we now live in a society where status has such a big part to play, especially in the Western world. And men like walking down the street with a woman they can be proud of, and women like being with a man they can brag about. And so, is the answer for everyone to settle? It's not about settling. I just think it's harder and harder to be a man. It's harder and harder to compete because. Yeah. It, it, so what's the but no, 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 but, and I, I say this, I, it's I, hard to compete. Yeah. If you're Joe Schmo yeah. and you're talking to a chick and God forbid, let's say he dislikes you, you didn't pray that week and I message her the same week, it's over for you. It's, right. over, it's, just, it's just over. Ah, Mr. Multimillionaire with the Bugatti in the private chat wants me to go to Dubai. Oh yeah, I'm going on holiday with my friends. Bounce. And it's over. It's just like there's no competition. And with all this access that men and women have to each other now with, with the internet and with all this clout chasing and the way the whole game's changed, this is what I say to men. I say that being an average man sucks and you need to get an ace up your sleeve. You need to get some kind of talent or some kind of initiative or something about you that makes you unique so you can pull it out your sleeve and you can matter. Because if you're just Joe Schmo, it doesn't matter. In the 1950s, if you were the average guy who worked at a factory, you had your wife, you provided for your wife, you had your kids. and There was nothing wrong with that. But I think being the average man now just simply isn't good enough is, to compete. No, for, I don't think you're wrong. Is, is part of it materialism where everybody is driven by money and things? And if they were driven by other things, community, family... Uh, things like that. Is that a way to mediate the situation? Like, listen, men should strive to be great. Yep. Not every man will be great. Completely. Not every man's going to figure out how to make millions of dollars. Yep. And not everybody's going to figure out how to start a business or yep. do whatever. So is is the idea then to maybe structure a society that's not built around the constant consumption of things more and more? Well, that's certainly, that's certainly part of it, the consumerism. But you can also tie into... The element that when you remove traditional gender roles or traditional gender attitudes towards sex, right. when women – women used to be the gatekeepers, right? They used to feel stigmatized into making sure they didn't sleep with a bunch of people. But now if a woman has no qualms sleeping with a bunch of people, at some point she's going to end up with a guy who's very, very high level. And her standard's going to be set. Even if that guy who doesn't want her, right? Let's say if, if back in the day a woman slept with two or three men, she'd find a guy and she'd settle down and she'd be happy. But if the average girl now slept with 20 guys, at least three of them are probably millionaires who invited her somewhere. And now, no matter who she settles down with, she's going to be thinking back to three months ago when she was with that other guy who didn't make her pay for the bills, who didn't make her fly economy, who didn't like and, – and she's yeah. going to be like, well, I had him once. Maybe I can get him again. And she's going to be looking at her current guy with a little bit of disdain and distrust, well, that's, scrolling yeah. through Instagram going, well, he, he banged me and ignored me, but maybe I could try this one. And so they're just chasing too much. This is what Peterson said, and this is, this is what you're saying, and this is what – People seem to get mad at this idea that, like, it's the fault of it is, like, women's freedom. So women have more options now, and that's kind of created the issue. But that doesn't make it women's fault. When you have a lot of options, you're going to be picky. 
Why wouldn't you be? Like, right. I, if, 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 if you're a man and you can buy any car you want, you're going to go visit Ferrari, Lamborghini, McLaren. You're going to go be picky, right? Because you can have anything you want. Women now have a bunch of options, and quite rightly, they're exploring those options to try and find the best one they can. I'm not saying they shouldn't. What I'm saying is, if you're a man and you're not a good option, the game just got very difficult for you. So you got to be a good That's option. You got to be a good option. You got you got to understand that the game is is made this way for men, and instead of looking at it in a detrimental way, you need to look at it in a positive light and go, okay, the game is harder for me, but that means like a video game, right? If you put it on hard mode, you get a higher score at the end. However, if I can crack this, if I can finally become the man I want to be. I get to enjoy a life which is probably the best possible human experience. I get to enjoy a life that no one else gets to enjoy. And yeah, it's difficult, but if I can get through it, it's worth it. And that's what I'm trying to teach men. I'm saying, look, the Matrix may tell you it's okay to be sad and depressed and average and and and, and just sit there and be Joe Schmo. In my experiences, you're going to be miserable and you kill, you have to be more than that. And that's why when I say things, I'm massively misunderstood. When I say things like depression isn't real and people have a complete breakdown and say, you can't say that. I'm saying that you need to adopt a mindset as a man that makes you as competitive as possible because it's ultra competitive. And if not believing in depression will make you more competitive than someone who does, then you shouldn't believe in it. Well, yeah, and there's also different kinds of depression, right? Oh, there's, there's PTSD. And, yeah. and then there's this situational depression where if you maybe got in shape or whatever, yeah. you'd feel better. Go, and, and you I'm, made more money, you'd I, feel better. And this is the point people misunderstand about me because I was saying this on Piers Morgan. And he was trying to argue with me saying depression's real. And I'm like, listen, I'm not even going to argue that point. My point is above that. My point is, if I believe in depression, if I start to feel depressed, I will believe I have a disease. If I don't believe in depression, if I start to believe feel depressed, I will believe it will fix itself and I can fix it through hard work. Which mindset is going to make me more competitive in an ultra-competitive environment? I don't believe in things that take away power from me. I don't believe in it. If, right. some, if you were about to shoot me in the head and there's no way I could stop you, I refuse to believe it would kill me. Maybe it will. But I don't see the advantage of sitting there going, I'm toast. I'd be like, you know what? You, When I'm at a hospital, you're fucked. Right. <laughs> that's the, I, yeah. Because that's just the mindset that gives me the best possible chance. So I try and tell men, look, you need to adopt a mindset that gives you the best chance at competing in an ultra-competitive world. Because that's what most people don't understand, especially the people who hate me and detract on me. Life as a man is super competitive. There's a reason men are out here giving up their entire lives and existences, working away, trying to become the CEO. There's a reason men are out here basically in debt, trying to get a nice apartment just to pretend they have money when they don't. There's a reason men are out here. All this is just to show status. We're competing on a massive level. And, and to sit there and say, well, you don't need to compete. You're going to be fine anyway. Perhaps that was the case in the past. But if you're waking up each day as a man now and you're not thinking, fuck, all these other men are out to try and get what I want then you're going to lose because that's what it is. There's one beauty queen and everyone wants her. And there, there's 500 Lamborghinis and everyone wants them. And like it, it, There's the, the, the demand, the supply doesn't meet the demand. You yeah. have to win. That, yeah. That's the game. Right. For certain, for, listen, for certain people, 100%. Yeah. They might get a beauty queen, they might get a Lamborghini, and then there's a lot of people that maybe you get close. Yeah, good. All I'm really right. trying to do is explain to people because – I didn't intend to make motivational content, but I was told my words were ultra motivational and people always came to me and said, how do I feel better? I got asked that question in many different forms, thousands of different times. And my answer was the only answer I have managed to work out in my own life experience, which is the only thing that makes me qualified to talk about. I don't want to talk about things I don't know. I go talk about things I've lived. I felt better when I became better.
That's it. So you're going to sit here and say, well, I don't feel good. I'll say, okay, well, if you become a better person, you might feel better. That's all I can say. That's all that's ever worked for me. I will sit here right now, and I understand that it's very easy for me to say depression isn't real in my mansion with my 20 supercars and my beauty queens. I get that. Right. If I lived some depressed guy's life, I'd probably be depressed. But that's why I refuse to live his life. Right. That's the exact point I'm making. And I'm just trying to teach people to adopt a mindset which allows them to be competitive. And I think that the slave mind, which is being purported by the Matrix, is not designed to make competitive men. It's designed to make compliant men. And compliant men are never going to outcompete non-compliant men. They, men who are happy for their lot in life simply will not have the innate, the innate unhappiness and discomfort to find the endless motivation to go out there and get more than that. You understand? Right. If you get a basic lot in life and you're pretty happy with it, that's good. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for you. I want you to be happy. But you're never going to be able to outcompete the guy who gets a basic lot in life and goes, nah, 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 not enough. I wanted to talk to you about Ukraine, too, because we were talking at dinner. Yeah. And there is this idea that, the, that Putin is um, a completely irrational psychotic Hitler type of dictator. And of course, I'm not going to say that, you know, Vladimir Putin is a care bear. <laughs> that would be a soundbite. I mean, say it, right. a soundbite. Yeah. You'll end up on TikTok. Yeah. You'll end up canceled like me. Yeah, he's, uh, you know, this is, he's, uh, you know, at, at KGB, we got it, we got it, we got Murderer, kills his friends, we got it. That being said, when we look at the dynamics, I want you to go through a little bit about this conflict, which is now seemingly reaching this nuclear, it's in the news every day, although you said it may have just ended. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really sad because in every single conflict in the world, innocents die. It's a shame that it's always the people at the bottom who die. It's always the innocents who die. And this goes back to my original point about how important it is as a man to become a man of substance. Even now, if there was a mass draft of all the men who had to go fight in wars, I know I wouldn't end up in the trenches. I'm too smart. I'm too articulate. I'm too good at motivation. They would think there's something better to do with this guy than cannon fodder. He right. needs to be an officer. Like right. he's going to eat food. They can have rations. He's going to have real food. He's going to have a bed. They're going to have a, they're going to sleep on the floor. Like, because I'm too important in any situation to just be sent to the bottom of the line. Right. And it's kind of unfortunate in every single conflict, there's good and bad on both sides. And, and it's always the innocents who suffer. The point I was trying to make is that whenever the media machine is trying to convince you of a narrative, you need to very closely analyze why they want you to believe that narrative. And if you're smart enough and you sit there long enough, you'll probably realize the fact that whether it's true or false has absolutely nothing to do with any of it. <laughs> they just right. want you to believe X thing. And then when you go, why do they want me to believe this? This is what they're telling me. So why do they want me to believe this? And then you start to follow the paper trail or the breadcrumbs. You can usually work out the truth behind issues. And I don't want to say too much to get us taken down off YouTube, but the idea that he's completely irrational and lost his mind is simply a fallacy. He has a, he has a valid point. He's not a care bear. He's not a perfect person, but he has a, a point. He has a reason to do what he does. And anybody who wants to study the conflict and study history can learn and understand that, no, the story you're being told is completely not true. And, and that's the world we live in. And this is why I talk about the Matrix. They, they tell a story and they delete all the other side of it. They delete all the conflicting evidence and conflicting opinions so that you're left with one version of events, which may not even be true. It may be completely false, but that's the reality they want you to exist inside of so that your mind is occupied enough so they yeah, can I don't use think your body. People, I don't think people even know about NATO. They don't know about NATO expansion. They don't know about 
They don't know about any of it. Yeah, they don't know any of it. They don't know any of it. They don't know the history of it. They've not bothered to look it up. And they're sitting there going, okay, yeah, Putin's just lost his mind. He's attacked this country for absolutely no reason. You know who I love to uh, quote? And I would love to meet her one day. My, one of my idols is a woman, so people can lose their minds. Judge Judy yeah. is a gangster. She's a gangster. I, I, every time I watch Judge Judy, I'm like, you know what? I thought I had the best bullshit detector on the planet, but th- I might have to take second best. Yeah. She is flawless. She's one of the wealthiest women in the entertainment business. She's amazing. She makes so much money every year. It's crazy. She's amazing. And yeah. she has this saying that is so brutally simple, but it's so absolutely pertinent. If it doesn't make sense, it didn't happen. So she'll sit there and listen to your garbage, and she'll listen for a full 10 minutes, and then she'll go, if it didn't make sense, if it doesn't make sense, it didn't happen. Lie. And she'll give it to the other person, right? Right. The idea that Putin's randomly attacked a country for absolutely no reason because he's the new Hitler doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense, right? And for anyone to sit there who's going to instantly believe that garbage without doing any kind of look into the history of the conflict or any kind of look into his reasonings or even watch a single one of his press conferences and is going to instantly swallow that, we're going back to what we said earlier about people having all of their minds erased, empty brains ready for the programming to be injected. And they have empty brains and they don't think and they're just told something and they just comply and believe. And... It's a shame because the reason I stand up and say these things is the most heinous acts in human history were committed by people who just followed the programming. People who think for themselves don't often commit the most heinous acts. The most heinous acts are for the greater good. I was just following orders. That's what they told me to do. Read a history book. Anyone who just goes, well, that's what they said. So, oops, killed X amount of million Jews. Oops, right. that's what they told. I, I didn't. I don't think. Doop to do. And these people believe they're the good people and they believe they're virtuous by censoring the other side of arguments, by advocating for people to be shut down and deplatformed. They're there. If you read a history book, you'll see that it's never the good guys who are deleting. And you're, you see, so you because we talked about it earlier. The the Western media says Russia's losing. They're losing. They're losing. They're yeah. losing. Yeah. But you've said they're actually, in your estimation. Yeah. They've been using force that's not like it's not their entire capability, correct? Because they're trying to not kill so many Ukrainians that they're either dealing with a huge insurgency or some of those people are loyal to Russia. Yeah. Yeah, I think that Putin has been very measured in his responses, he has certainly not used full Russian military might, he has been had strong consideration for civilian casualties, and he's doing his very best under this special uh, special military operation to achieve its goals and aims without mass destruction of civilian infrastructure and and mass civilian casualties. And unfortunately, NATO were pushing pushing the other side of the coin to the point where he almost has no choice. And this morning, after they destroyed his bridge, which was an attack on civilian infrastructure, he's attacked civilian infrastructure inside of Ukraine. And he made this very clear. I'm going to play by the rules you set. If you're going to... Now Ukraine no... As you were saying, they have no... No electricity, no water, no gas, no power. Winter's coming. And all of their stuff just been blown to shreds. And he said, look, if you're going to attract, if you're going to set a standard, I'm going to match it and we're going to do better. And I mean, Russia is a, a very powerful country, a very powerful military. And the idea that Ukraine's just going to somehow whoop their asses is, is fantasy land, is fallacy. And it's a, it's a real shame because truthfully, it's the people in the trenches on both sides who are suffering who are from this game. Who are dying when, who are, when a deal maybe should have been reached months ago. And it's people at the top, right? Yeah. You're playing chess. You allow pawns to die. You only care right. about the end objective, but you don't care about the individual. And that's the way wars have always been. And this, this propaganda machine is telling everybody this one version of events. And I always say this. My father had a quote, and it was my father's quote, so I don't take credit for it. He said, I allow manipulation to find out where my enemy wants me to go, and then I use my mind to break the trap and punish the perpetrators. 
And the point is you need to sit and watch the news and they watch it for an hour, listen to everything they tell you and go, okay, why do they want me to believe this? It's not because it's the truth. Why do they want me to believe this? And if you do a little bit of research, you'll work out that a lot of the world is not as it seems. It's never as clear cut. It's never good guy, bad guy. It's partially good guy and partially bad guy against partially good guy, partially bad guy. And it's people at the bottom of the food chain who always suffer. And this is why, once again, I preach how important it is for individual sovereignty, how important it is as a man to become important. When you were young, you played chess. Yeah. And you were very good. I was pretty good, yeah. And then no one ever talks to you about this. Yeah. But you were really pretty decent. I was pretty good, yeah. What about the game did you like and what about it interested you enough to get really good at it? Chess is the ultimate sport. I think that the world would be a better place if we threw all modern education out the window and just focused on chess instead. It teaches you cause and effect. It teaches you to think ahead and understand the consequences of your actions. It teaches you to respect the fact that there's no luck involved. If you lose a game of chess, it may have been a tiny mistake, but at some point you made a mistake. Did it's 100% your fault. Did you follow that thing where they're accusing one of the guys of having beads in his ass? Yeah. Yeah. I... <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Because this guy, Magnus Carlsen, is like one yeah. of the best in the world, right? Yeah. He's number one, yeah. He's number one. He plays against this guy, yeah. and this guy beats him. Yep. And everybody go- – and this guy's, I think, cheated before. Yep. They've caught him cheating before. Yep. Do you- and, and they've accused him of putting magical beads in his ass that buzzed, telling him where to move the pieces. I don't even know how that would work. That would be an interesting – but, yeah, that's what they're accusing him of. Is that – Something that you go, I can see that, or do you go, he just beat the greatest guy, this is what happens? I Can a guy like Magnus Carlsen lose every now and then? He can lose every now and then, but the way Magnus said, I, I saw his quote, he said, the way I was outplayed with Black, only of because Black has a disadvantage, has a one-tempo disadvantage because it moves second. He said, there's only a handful of players on the planet who could have done that to me, and I've played them all before. I think they've analyzed this guy's games. Even games where he was playing live in tournaments and he's made too many perfect moves. So they're saying he's, he's up to something because he's just too smart. Because the computers can think so far ahead and the game's right. changed now. So they're saying that if you put it into a chess engine, he made too many perfect moves all of the time. Now, I mean, I hey, bro, I ran a webcam company. Even I don't know how you get vibrating dildos up your ass to teach how to play chess. That's what I, they, I'm not, I don't yeah. know about the methods. I'm just saying yeah. that something is kind of strange. That's, that's what they had suggested, that maybe it's magical vibrating beads in his ass that has allowed him to move the pieces. It, it was something with buzz, and I don't know how you'd know which piece, yeah. which bead. I don't know. It feels far-fetched, but then it's also, if he's playing like a computer, somehow a computer is talking to him. So that's what it's coming down to. I think to. that's what it's coming down to. And yeah, Magnus doesn't want to play him anymore. It's coming down to the fact that he is making moves that a human can't contemplate. Were you taught he's... chess? Was it something that somebody taught you? Yeah, my father was a master, and I, I spent most of my childhood analyzing the chessboard and playing in chess competitions and chess tournaments. And... You learn a lot about self-accountability and you learn a lot about hard work and dedication and focus and you learn a lot about thinking ahead and trying to position yourself in a way that you can't be damaged. Even if you look at my current life now, right, the way the Matrix has attacked me and attempted to destroy me, because that's what they've tried to do. They don't just delete your social media accounts. They try and destroy you on every level. The reason they have failed is not because of what I've done afterwards. It's it's because of all the work I did before the attack. It's because of so many small things down to where I live down to how I set myself up on platforms, down to the things I said on podcasts about the fact I'm going to be deleted, down to the fact that I had a three-stage plan in case I was deleted. A lot of it was thinking ahead, and it's so much easier to win in life if you're proactive as opposed to reactionary. And uh, that's what it teaches you. It teaches you to think ahead because to win at chess, 
quite often you do not need to be an unstoppable force. You need to be a movable object. You need to just make sure you don't leave any true gaps or weaknesses. And this is what I was saying to you earlier. I've had long conversations discussing how to attack myself. Most people don't do this. I've sat there with my heads of security, with my brother, the people I trust the most, and said, okay, if they had to destroy me, how would you destroy me? Where, where am I weak? What is my weaknesses? How can I be attacked? What can they say about me? What lies could they tell? Like, this has all been analyzed head to toe and plans and contingencies have been put together for every eventuality we can fathom. Most people don't do that. Most people just wait to get wrecked and then sit there and go, oh shit, I'm wrecked now. Right. We, I don't do that. I, I was planning for a mass cancellation for a very long time because, and I've planned for a bunch of other eventualities. That's just how I operate as an individual. That's the, the goal of professionalism. That's how you stay ahead. Do you still play chess? I love to play chess. Yeah. I'm, I'm crap, but I do play. I do play. When you, why did you quit or why did you step away? So my father was my chess coach and he was teaching me every day, but uh, my mother and father broke up when I was 10 and we moved away. So I lost my chess coach and I was 10 and I, I, moved, I moved into other things. I started fighting and fighting kind of took over the chess side for me because right. it was so many hours per day. But I still play a lot of blitz online. I play a lot of quick chess whenever I'm on the computer. Did you and your dad keep a relationship when he left? Was it tough? Was it? Yeah, like me and my father were, were exceptionally close. I didn't see him in person that often, but we spoke every single day. And this is another thing that I say often on podcasts, and I talk about the fact that I think a father's influence is a lot more about quality than quantity. I didn't have to see him that often because when I saw him, he was so impactful. And he was uh, an amazing man, a brilliant man, and I try my best to follow in his footsteps. And for a very long time, the things I'm now saying on podcasts, I was taught from a very young age. I, I remember sitting watching the news at four or five years old with my dad, and we'd watch it for a few hours, and he'd turn to me and say, son, that was bullshit. Yeah. Why do you think they're lying to us like that? And I said, well, why would the TV lie? He goes, you tell me. They want you to believe this, this, and this. Why? Like, it, I was having these conversations from a very young age, and I was taught to be skeptical about people sitting there trying to make you believe something. Because I don't think people are genuinely so philanthropic that they're going through life trying to mass brainwash people for their own benefit as opposed to they're trying to mass brainwash people for the benefit of the person doing the brainwash. Well, that's clear. You know, that's it is clear. clear. Like if yeah. I'm going to, if I'm going to, and, and that's why I, I speak up against these agendas and I'll sit here and be honest, I'll say right now, every single person with a, a platform to a degree is attempting to manipulate. I'm, I'm trying to manipulate my audience. I'm trying to manipulate yeah. them into being stronger and to resist slave mind programming and to be more sovereign individuals, but I am trying to make them think a certain way. Everybody is. So you have to sit there and go, okay, well, who is actually trying to tell me to do things which are good for me? And who's trying to tell me to do things which are good for them? Yeah. And, and that's what you have to really identify and create. And most people just, bro, most people just don't pay attention to anything. Yeah. I, I don't know how else to say it. Most people just lack perspicacity on a level where they just don't pay attention to anything. They're told things and they go, okay. They don't think... Who, why is he telling me this? Why is he mad I don't believe it? Why is he trying to tell me if I don't yeah. believe Like, they don't think, they don't use their minds. It's just crazy. When, when you hear that you, uh, the attacks that come in, are there any of the things that people say where you go, yeah, they have a point, I should have said that differently, or I should have said it better, I could have been yeah. more clear? Yeah, so I... I as a professional, I'm not emotional, right? So I, like I said, I sit and I analyze and I'm very, very fair. I don't, I don't consider myself a perfect individual. One of the points I thought was actually quite valid was they were saying that because of the lifestyle I live and because of the fact I'm so monumentally successful and because I'm talking to young people who misunderstand the nuances of life, I'm perhaps convincing a large portion of young men to be without empathy, to not be empathetic because some of my content can seem it's very matter of fact and lacks empathy. And I kind of understood that point. What's difficult is 
if you're going to make long format content, knowing that at any point, five seconds of it can be taken and, and spun up and taken out of context and weaponized against you. As intelligent as I am, it's very difficult to answer questions in long format for hours, also making sure that there's never five seconds which can ever be weaponized against you at any point in the future ever. It's difficult, right? So oh, it's, impo- it's impossible. By the way. Impossible. It's impossible. It's impossible. And then it gets into a meta point. It gets into a larger point because I'm talking to people and they say, yeah, but, you know, 14-year-olds are what consume your content. And my answer is kind of like, well, if you're truly concerned about your 14-year-old child, then you need to police and watch your children. Like, I would argue that... There are so many things on the internet which are detrimental to a 14-year-old kid. I'd argue 85% of the internet is detrimental. I'd argue that most of social media is detrimental. All the bullying that goes on on there and all the the peer pressure goes on on there. Most of YouTube and its garbage is detrimental. Porn's all over the internet. Like, we want to talk about detrimental things on the internet to a young, impressionable mind. I would argue you'd struggle to find anything that couldn't be weaponized to some degree and be used against impressionable young children. I think this is an argument against the internet as a whole. And I like to believe that my message is very positive as a meta message when it's taken into its full account and people watch my videos in long format. And, and that's why I do believe what's happened to me is to a degree unfair for people to sit and say, well, in this clip, he said this. Yes, I've been making YouTube videos for seven years. I made five hours of YouTube video a week and you have managed to find six clips, which taken out of context could be misconstrued. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess that makes me the devil. Like, like now, that's crazy. Now you're, you're, you're off everything but Rumble. Yeah. You're on Rumble. Yeah. And how do you look at stuff going forward? Now, after that whole thing's happened, you lost Airbnb, Uber, which I also have Discord, lost. Skype, payment processors, Instagram, Facebook, yeah, you name yeah, it. Everything, all of it. yeah. YouTube. And now I'm on Rumble, and Rumble's been fantastic. I, I can't fault I can't find a single fault in Rumble. They've been amazing. The CEO's been amazing. And they truly understand the power of free speech. And I I really am a person who believes in discourse. Like my favorite conversations are with people who absolutely disagree with me. I'm not the kind of person, it's, it's amazing that my detractors and my enemies want me to be quiet, whereas I love to talk to them. I love to talk to them, people. I, I'll, I'll take a feminist podcast or a whatever podcast or a liberal podcast all day long. I think it's fun, right? Yeah. But they're the people who want me silenced, and history tells you the people who want to do the silencing are never the good guys. But um, I, I think discourse is extremely important. I think that there's no one cure answer for everybody. I think we're all individuals living a unique human experience, and the answer for most people is going to be somewhere in between two viewpoints. They're going to viewpoint X and Y, and the individualistic best answer for that person is going to be somewhere in between. And I think that's why it's important they hear both viewpoints. And I think by deleting one side of the argument, that's how you control narratives and you create tyranny because that's what's always happened in history. When they censor things and people to the point where there's no opposing viewpoints, tyranny comes next. It's never not happened. And I don't believe humans have evolved that much to the point where we're now too good for tyranny. In fact, many would argue we're already living in a tyrannical system for that reason. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, speaking to you, having dinner with you, it was definitely, I didn't, you know, like, you seem, whether people want to agree with you or not, people say, people can say, like, I disagree with him, or I, you know, think a 14-year-old shouldn't watch him, which these are all valid points that people can have depending on how they feel about what their kids should consume and what they agree with or not. I don't feel like and I've said this before, I haven't personally heard anything that makes me think this guy should be banished. Yeah, and and obviously I believe... threw acid in a waitress's face. She was late with the meal. (laughs) I don't have a huge problem with that because I think timeliness is huge. Well, you know, like, uh, the fries were cold, bro. Yes, but I haven't heard that one thing. I haven't heard that, like, smoking gun 
And also, my real life doesn't reflect a smoking gun. Like, I would understand if there were a bunch of women coming forward saying I've done bad things. There's none of that. There's yeah. nothing in the real world, world which reflects these sentiments they say that I hold. None of it at all. I got asked by Piers Morgan. He thought he, he got me with a gotcha moment. He said, do you think the world would be a better place if men grew up to be like you? Expecting me to say, I don't know what he expected. And the answer was, if men grew up to be professional athletes with, who are multimillionaires, who work very hard, who are dedicated, who don't take drugs who have never have no criminal record, I think the world would be a fantastic place. Yeah, I don't, I don't see what could be wrong about that. Like, I think that a lot of the pop culture garbage that's out there in the world today, promoting Satanism and promoting taking drugs, every single song you listen to talks about popping Zans and all this other garbage. I think this is far more detrimental to the youth than me saying, look, it's hard as a man, you need to go to the gym and become important, and you need to work your ass off and get rich or become funny or become smart or become influential to some degree, or you're going to suffer. I think that's just motivational. I really don't understand why people are trying to pretend my message is negative unless they fear that what I'm teaching people makes Have them harder to program. Thought- to make your message more palatable of fusing it with Xanax and Satan? <laughs> well, go to, yeah, go, go, start a company and become influential on Xanax. It, listen, it was a great dinner. Thank you, the, you, you have a great, you're great. The hospitality here is amazing. You've offered me security to go hunt bears in Transylvania. Yeah. I really appreciate it. I, I, I've never been to this side of the world. I'm sure I will come back now. I do like it. I do feel safe here. And uh, again, I think you've said a lot of things. You've cleared stuff up. People may hate you. They may not like you. They may love you. People t- texting me, now, t- why are you attacking them? Uh, but for me, I just went, I-, I don't know. I just, you know, I I don't think it's appropriate to shut someone out because of uh, a few things that you disagree with them on. Completely. Or that you hear and you go, why Why doesn't that have more context? And that's the adult way to approach life. Like, I have had so many conversations with people who I do not agree with, and I have a bunch of friends who I do not agree with on every single issue, and I think that the best thing about being human are our unique individual perspectives and life paths, and I think they should be discussed, and I think the open discourse is a beautiful thing, and I really, truly don't understand the motivation for anybody to censor anyone else unless it's rooted in deep hatred and jealousy. And that's why they say hate never comes from above. And everyone I've met who's successful doing well in life is a, is an amazing person and we have great conversations even if we disagree. And everybody who's perhaps unhappy inside or not doing as well as they wish they were seems to hate me. And I think that that speaks a lot for itself. Well, Andrew Tate, thank you so much. Thank you, bro. Go find him. Thanks for coming. Andrew Tate, everybody. Thank you so much. Thank you, bro.